بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم إنا أنزلناه في ليلة القدر وما أدراك ما ليلة القدر ليلة القدر خير من ألف شهر تنزل الملائكة والروح فيها بإذن ربهم من كل أمر سلام هي حتى مطلع الفجر أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم وبه نستعين ثم الصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين وعلى أهل بيته الطيبين الطاهرين المعصومين أما بعد Awaited Savior of Humanity Imam Al-Mahdi عليه السلام My respected brothers and audience online Assalamu alaikum jami'an wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh Welcome to our uh, second part in our special series for Al-Hadi podcast in which we are looking at uh, the chapters that we recite on Layali al-Qadr, on the Nights of Qadr, and the themes of those chapters, the commentaries about what the goals are and what the verses refer to in those particular chapters. We stated in our first part that we are doing this because we wish to be able to have ma'rifah, a deeper insight and cognizance of the chapters that we recite on the Nights of Qadr. We also mentioned that it's very strange that our community has a particular cultural practice that on the nights of Qadr, sometimes we don't actually bother to recite Qur'an at all. And the reason why we don't do that is because it's not mentioned on the PPT. Our nights of Qadr should not be governed by what's on the PPT. Our night of Qadr should be governed by what we wish to be able to achieve and aim from that particular night which of course must be interaction with the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then we looked at the opinion of Grand Ayatollah Sayyid Muhammad Taqi al-Mudarasi and how he extrapolates themes of the chapters of Qur'an, which are known as the maqasid al-sur, the goals, the aspirations of each chapter of the Qur'an. And tonight, inshallah, now we go into our first um, chapter, which is Surah Al-Ankabut, chapter number 29 of the Qur'an, the chapter of the spider. And what we're going to be doing is we're going to look at the overriding theme of the chapter, and then we're going to look at constituent groups of verses. So we're going to take, for example, when Allah takes a group of verses and a particular sub-theme, we're going to group those together, and we're going to read the verses together, so that we understand how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about some of these things, which will reconstruct to us the overarching goal, theme of the chapter itself. So let us begin with Surah Al-Ankabut. And the way in which we start with any chapter is for us to be able to think about the revelation of the chapter, when it was revealed, and some of the ahadith about the chapter itself. Surat Al-Ankabut was revealed in the city of Mecca. It has 69 verses to it. And it was the, uh, uh, it was actually the um, 85th chapter to be revealed of the Holy Quran. And it is placed 29th in the order of how it has reached us in the Quran. So it was 85th to be revealed in its entirety. 
Now, it was actually revealed after Surah Al-Rum. Surah Al-Rum is which chapter of the Quran? 30. Yet Ankabut is 29. So it was actually revealed after Al-Rum, but in the order in which Quran has been compiled, it is actually 29th in the Quran. Now, we have certain ahadith that come to us about the blessing, the reward of reading Surah Al-Ankabut. The hadith, the first one I'll mention, comes to us from Rasulullah Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sallam. He says the following. Man qara'a surat al-ankabuti kana lahu min al-ajri hasanatun bi'adadi kulli al-mu'minina wal-munafiqeen. The one who recites surat al-ankabut, he would be given the blessings of which enumerate Every single mu'min and every single munafiq. So when you recite it, Surah Al-Ankabut, you receive the thawab of the number of mu'mineen and munafiqeen in existence. How many mu'mineen are there? How many mu'mineen are there? You can't count it. How many munafiqeen are there? You can't count it. That's the number of hasanat that you get every time you recite Surah Al-Ankabut. Now we stated in the first discussion, there is a relationship between the ajr, the reward, the thawab of that chapter, <coughs> and the theme of the chapter. So that here we get the idea of mu'mineen and munafiqeen. Hold on to that. Because clearly there has to be a relationship between Ankabut and Mu'mineen and Munafiqeen. We'll come back to it inshaAllah. Another hadith this time comes to us from our sixth Imam Ja'far al-Sadiq sallallahu alayhi wa He says the following. Man qara'a surati al-Ankabuti wal-Rumi fi shahri ramadana fi laylati thalathin wa ishrina فَهُوَ وَاللَّهِ يَا أَبَا مُحَمَّدٍ مِنْ أَهْلِ الْجَنَّةِ لَا أَسْتَثْنِي فِيهِ أَبَدًا وَأَخَافُ أَنْ يَكْتُبَ اللَّهُ عَلَيَّ فِي يَمِينِ إِثْمًا وَإِنَّ لَهَاتَيْنِ السُورَتَيْنِ مِنَ اللَّهِ مَكَانًا Our sixth Imam السلام, says the following Whoever recites the two chapters of Al-Kabut and Ar-Rum in Shahri Ramadan, fi laylati thalathin wa ishrina, on which night? 23rd night of Shahri Ramadan. Fahuwa, for him, wallahi, I swear by Allah, min ahlil jannah, he would be from amongst the people of paradise. La astathni fihi abada, and there is no exception for it at all. If you recite those two chapters, on 23rd night, you are of Ahl Jannah, insha'Allah, and there is no exception whatsoever. وَلَا أَخَافُ أَنْ يَكْتُبَ اللَّهُ عَلَيَّ فِي يَمِينِ إِثْمًا And I have no fear whatsoever that Allah would write for that person who recites these two chapters on the 23rd, that he would have in his right hand any ithm. What does that mean? His book of deeds would be given to him in the right hand, and he would not have in it any ithm. Your evil deeds would be expunged, basically. 
And these two surahs, there is a special place with Allah for these two surahs. So there's something interesting going on here. That he who recites these two chapters, they have a reward specific to believers, mu'mineen, and the number of munafiqeen, hypocrites. And that they have something special, that they are guaranteed paradise. Now, if that's the case, there must be something special about this chapter. And the theme of the chapter must play into the thawab of this particular chapter. What is the theme of this chapter? And what are the sub-verses, or the verses, the groups of verses, talking about in this chapter that will help us to have ma'rifah of Surah Al-Ankabut when you and I read this chapter on the 23rd night, insha'Allah. This chapter is about those people that take something other than God as the thing that they put their reliance in. They place their reliance in something other than Allah and as a consequence, that which they have constructed for themselves as their safety net, as their guarantor of protection, is no stronger than the web of a spider. To the spider, the web seems very strong, very sturdy. It will capture for it its food, the flies that go into it, the bugs that go into it. It will be strong enough to go up even against the wind and rain. And to the spider's knowledge, it is strong enough to be able to house it and to deter it against any outside type of thing. But in reality, that web is so weak, but the spider doesn't realize how weak that spider web really is. Our case is the same. That the dunya that we construct for ourselves, all of the different things that we vest authority into, we think are so strong, have the ability to protect us, have the ability to put off anything that comes to us, whatever wind blows our way. In reality, it is so weak, that is our state. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wishes as the theme of this chapter for us to be able to realize that. And then all of the verses in their groupings will speak about that one overarching issue. Let's have a discussion on that, inshallah. The first thing is about the spider itself. It's very interesting that in the Quran, in chapter number 2, Surah Al-Baqarah, verse number 26, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes an interesting point. He says the following, Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Inna allaha la yastahi an yadriba mathalan ma ba'udatan fama fawqaha. Surely Allah does not disdain from giving you an example, giving you a parable of that of a gnat or anything greater than it. What is a gnat? Like a fly, like a mosquito. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, I'm going to give you examples, even as small as a mosquito or something bigger, greater than that, above that. And you know why? I don't have any problem. I don't feel ashamed to be able to do that. Because even in that, there are such deep examples that if you were to only reflect on the existence that is in front of you, 
you could take from it deep, phenomenal, fundamental lessons. In having said that, Allah talks about that in Surah Al-Ankabut. The house of the spider, the spider thinks it's so strong, but we realize that the web is so weak and can be pulled apart with even the simplest of strength from you and I. Now, we realize that the spider and the creation of the web is everywhere. Sometimes we don't realize how much in our own houses, when you go out into a bush, there's spider webs everywhere and so on and so forth. It is in every place. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala named this chapter as such in order for us not to miss the point. The fact that there are spider webs everywhere and that we would see it and not just go past it. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Quran has a point. He says, Look again. Return your eyesight back and back and back at my creation. This is mentioned where? In Surah Al-Mulk. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says this so that you do look at his creation because in his creation there are signs. In there are signs for you. For everyone who is patient and grateful. If you are patient and you take the time to see the existence, you would understand and you would become shakur, grateful for what you have seen in front of you in order to help you extrapolate those lessons from there. Now, what is the discussion that takes place? In this book, Maqasid al-Surah by Ayatollah Mudarisi, he begins to break down the chapters. And I'd like you all to have your phones and look at the following verses. And what we're going to do is we're going to take groups of verses together and that will allow us to be able to see how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about sub-themes and each of these sub-themes will end up delivering us our overarching theme as well. So now in the themes, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to talk to us about what a person, this is a very specific wording, please pay attention to this wording, the mujahid, what is the mujahid? What's the meaning of the word mujahid? What does the word mujahid mean? The one who does jihad. The one who does jihad. What is jihad? Struggle. So the mujahid is what? Is whom who? Struggles. In this chapter, this whole chapter is going to speak to you about the mujahid, the struggler, and how he needs to know the nature of dunya itself. And this chapter, in all of its sub-themes, is going to give to you the examples of how a mujahid, one who struggles with his own soul, one who struggles through life positively, can extrapolate the natures of existence and how to navigate the nature of existence. All of those sub-themes will come, culminate in the overarching theme, which is that this world is like the spider's web and you are like the spider inside that web. We think ourselves to be so protected, but it can just be like that, snatched away from us. The sub-themes are going to demonstrate that to us. Now, verses 1 to 7 are the first sub-themes, or the first of the sub-themes that are going to speak about this issue. And Ayatollah Mudarisi, in his work, says that the Mujahid needs to know that the nature of this world or what is the nature of this world? 
And if he is to succeed, he needs to understand the wisdom behind the trials that exist within this world. Let's have a read of verses 1 to 7. For example, verse number 2. Does man think that they will be left alone to say we believe and not be tested? Certainly we tried those before them. Allah will certainly know those who are true and those who are liars. Verse number five, whoever hopes to meet with Allah, there is an appointed term for them. Verse number six, وَمَنْ jahada, The mujahid now. وَمَنْ jahada, فَإِنَّمَا يُجَاهِدُ لِنَفْسِهِ Whoever strives hard, he strives hard for his own soul. وَالَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَعَمِلُوا الصَّالِحَاتِ لَنُكَفِّرَنَّ عَنْهُمْ سَيِّئَاتِهِمْ وَلَنَجْزِيَنَّهُمْ أَحْسَنَ الَّذِي and as for he who believes and does good deed, meaning the mujahid, who really does those things, we will do away with their evil deeds. And we will most certainly reward them the best of what they did. Who can remember? What was the ajr of reciting Surah Al-Ankabut? What was the second hadith? The sixth Imam alayhi salam's hadith? Guaranteed Jannah. And that there would not be any evil written in their book of deed. What did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say? وَالَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَعَمِلُوا الصَّالِحَاتِ Verse number 7. لَنُكَفِّرَنَّ عَنْهُمْ سَيِّئَاتِ We will do away with their evil deeds. What did the sixth imam say? Guarantee you Jannah. What did the verse say? We will do away with your evil deeds. You can see here the link between the chapter. And the themes of the chapter coming to fruition here. Now, so verse 1 to 7 speaks about the mujahid. And that the mujahid has to realize that there are going to be certain tests. Now, verses 8 to 13 now speaks about a different sub-theme. Verses 8 to 13 speaks about the pressures that will come to you. Where do the pressures come to you from? In order for you to struggle in your lives, you all struggle. You're all mujahideen. And by mujahideen, I mean the people who struggle in goodness. You're all mujahideen. Where will the pressures, the difficulties, the tests, what did verse number two say? Does man think that they will be able to say, I believe, and then just be left alone? So now you're a mujahid. Where will your tests come from? Verses 8 to 13 give you these tests. We've enjoined on man goodness to his parents. Sometimes our parents are tests for us. And if they contend with you that you should associate people to me, of which you have no knowledge, do not obey them. Verse number nine. As, those who, as for those who believe and do good deed, we will surely cause them to enter amongst the good. Verse number 10. And amongst man is he who says that we believe in Allah, but when he is persecuted in the way of Allah, he thinks that the persecution is a chastisement from Allah. He mixes up his theology. He is persecuted by human beings, but he blames God for it. Really, the persecution is coming from people. Verse number 12. As for those who disbelieve, they say to those who believe. Remember, where will difficulty come from? Difficulty will come to you from those people who disbelieve. They will put pressure on you. As for those who disbelieve, they say to the believers, follow our path and we will bear your wrongs. 
Don't worry about this Quran and this Islam. Where does pressure come from? Society. We take the burdens on you. No, no, no. It's on you. You will be tested. And it will be on you at the end of the day. Verse number 13. And most certainly they shall carry their own burdens. You see here, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling you that sometimes your pressure to be a mujahid, to struggle, will come from your family members. Sometimes it will be society that will put pressure on you. Your family will take you to a, to a wedding and you will know it's haram for you to be in that wedding. They'll say, don't worry about it. It's on us. They will convince you. Sometimes the society will say, your friends will say, don't worry about it. You know, that's a ruling for them. You don't need to worry about it. Come with us. Let's do this thing. Here, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying that society and family and friends will put pressure on you in these different ways. That will be your trial that comes to you. Verses 8 to 13. Verses 14 to 35 now begins to talk about the previous communities and the types of pressures that were put on them and how they struggled through those pressures. In which circumstances did they accept the pressure and crumble from their own societies, from their own family members, from their own religious priests? And which of those were able to navigate through those pressures and alleviate themselves from those pressures? Let's have a look, inshallah. Verses 14 to 35. I'm going to pick out some of these verses and you will see the themes of this issue come to light. Verse number 14. Now, in these verses, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about the following prophets. He speaks about Nuh alayhi salam and the people, Ibrahim alayhi salam and the people, Ya'qub and Yusuf and these uh, communities. He talks about Shu'ayb alayhi salam and these communities. And now he speaks about the different stresses, pressures upon each of these communities and their deliverances and their failures from these different pressures. Verse number 14 starts with Nuh alayhi salam. وَلَقَدْ أَرْسَلْنَا نُوحًا إِلَىٰ قَوْمِهِ فَلَبِّثَ فِيهِمْ أَلْفَ سَنَةٍ إِلَّا خَمْسِينَ عَامًا فَأَخَذَهُمُ الطُّوفَانُ وَهُمْ ظَالِمُونَ and certainly we sent to Nuh and his people, so he remained amongst them a thousand years, say 50, 950 years. And then the deluge, the flood overtook them whilst they were unjust. Now, verse 21 speaks about the issue of punishment. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala actually speaks now about the story of Abraham and the punishment that came to them. يُعَذِّبُ مَنْ يَشَاءُ مَنْ يَشَاءُ وَإِلَيْهِ he punishes whom he pleases and he has mercy on, his, on whom so he pleases. Verse 24 speaks about deliverance. Verse 24, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, for example, فَمَا كَانَ جَوَابَ قَوْمِهِ إِلَّا أَنْ قَالُوا أُقْتُلُوهُ أَوْ حَرِّقُوهُ فَأَنْجَاهُ اللَّهُ مِنَ النَّارِ This is the story of Abraham. The people said, slay Abraham or burn Abraham. Allah delivered him from the fire. What's Allah saying here? Allah saying that even the most difficult of times, when a person could be threatened to be burnt to death, if you stay on the path of Allah, Allah can deliver you from that. 
So the first set of verses were speaking about, do you really believe? Let's see the mujahid. Verses 8 to 13 start talking about the different pressures from family, society. The next set of verses are talking about deliverance. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about that. For example, if you go to uh, verse 26, again, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about deliverance. فَآمَنَ لَهُ لُوتِ this time he speaks about the story of Lut alayhi salam. I'm going to flee to my Lord. So Lut alayhi salam, what was the challenge of the people of Lut? What did they do? They practiced homosexuality and sodomy, a type of practice that had not been practiced before. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says about Lut, he had to flee from his own community. Right? He says, I'm going to become a muhajir in the way of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So he gets his deliverance from those people. Verse 32. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says to the same thing. I delivered Lut from this community. He says, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, we delivered Lut and his family. From these people. Deliverance again. So now here, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is talking about two sunan. Sunan of those people that avoid pressures of society and family members. And those people who don't avoid. For those who avoid the pressures that come to them, Allah delivers them. For those people who don't avoid, Allah talks about the sunan of doom. Adab from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that's the theme of verses 14 to 35. Now, verse number 41, you will see in Surah Ankabut, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala now directly speaks about the conclusion of that. There are those people that have deliverance and those people that have doom. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala now talks about the main theme of this chapter, which speaks about the spider itself. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. مَثَلُ الَّذِينَ اتَّخَذُوا مِن دُونِ اللَّهِ أَوْلِيَاءِ كَمَثَلِ الْعَنْكَبُوتِ Allah gives to you the parable of those who take guardians besides Allah, their family members, their communities, their friends, that will say, don't worry about it. I'll take the punishment for you. I'll deal with it on your behalf. Don't worry about what God says. We as a family need to be able to do this thing together. We take the issue on our heads. Allah says, the parable of those who take guardians besides Allah, كَمَثَلِ الْعَنْكَبُوتِ They are no different to the spider. Your situation is, you think by, by your taking society as your protector, you think by taking as your family as a protector, you are any different to the spider in the web who thinks he's protected? They take for themselves a house. But the, the surely the frailest, the weakest of houses is the spider's house. If only they had realized this. If only they knew this. You want to take your society as protection from Allah? You want to take your family members as protection from Allah? You want to take your wealth as protection from Allah? You want to take your good looks as protection from Allah? You want to take your family name as protection from Allah? 
All of these things are nothing more than a spider's web. And you are nothing more than the spider inside that spider's web. Having then told us this, verses 42 to 44 continue. What does it do? It now tells us why people take a spider's web as their protection in dunya. Verses 40 to 42. What does it say? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, uh, verse 42, Surely Allah knows whatever thing they call upon besides Allah. Allah knows when you call upon your wealth besides Allah. He knows when you call upon your family members besides Allah. And as for these examples, we set them forth for mankind. He says in verse number 43, And none understand these examples that have been given to you except the learned. You're going to take time to understand Allah's examples of all these different communities that took protection from their their elites, other than Allah, other than their prophets, you will understand it. For those who don't want to, they will never become alimun, ulama. They will ne- never really understand the reality. Now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives in verse number 45, the program, the barnamij to deal with this issue. Let's assume now, God forbid, I am one of those that takes something other than Allah as my protection in dunya. My family name, my wealth, my station, my leadership in the community. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, do you want to know how to deal with this weakness of creating for yourself a web? Verse number 45 is the barnamij, is the program of deliverance. Utlu ma uhiya ilayka min al-kitabi wa aqimis salata inna salata tanha anil fahshai wal munkar wal dhikrullahi al-akbar wallahu ya'lamu ma tasna'oon. He gives a program. What's the program? Recite from the book that has been revealed to you. Keep up your prayer. Because prayer keeps away evil and indecency. And surely the remembrance of Allah, the dhikr of Allah, is the greatest thing. You want to protect yourself from making a false house, a weak house? Recite Quran, keep up your salah, and keep up your dhikr, your adhkar of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then verse 46, now interestingly, goes back to the disbelievers. Verse 46 now actually goes back to those people who take other than Allah and other than the book. How interesting. How do we uh, deal uh, 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 with this? Verse uh, number uh, 46 gives the stances of the disbelievers. And uh, sorry, sorry, my apologies. This is a different part of the uh, chapter. In the earlier verses, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about the disbelievers, right? The people during the time of Noah, Abraham, Lot, Shaib, and how they were destroyed. In this part of the chapter, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks now, not about the disbelievers, but about the believers from other books, other religions. Those people who believe in Allah, but from other religions. How should you deal with them? Why? Because in the previous verses, Allah speaks clearly about how you deal with non-believers and those people who are the enemies of Allah. In this verse, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about how you should deal with people from other books who are believers like you. For example, we have good Christians. 
We have good Jews. We have good Hindus. How do we deal with them? You'll say, hang on a minute. How can they be kuffar amongst the Ahlul Kitab? How can they be mu'mineen from amongst Ahlul Kitab? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says this elsewhere in the Quran. لَمْ يَكُنِ الَّذِينَ لَمْ يَكُنِ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا مِنْ أَهْلِ الْكِتَابِ It is not for those people who are disbelievers from amongst Ahlul Kitab to believe حَتَّى تَأْتِيَهُمُ الْبَيِّنَ Until there comes to them evidence. So from Ahlul Kitab there are disbelievers and from Ahlul Kitab there are believers. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will now tell us how to be able to deal with believers from Ahlul Kitab. In verse number 46, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, And do not dispute with the followers of the book, except by what is best, except them who act unjustly. So those who are good from Ahlul Kitab, don't dispute with them. Don't get into arguments with them. Have unity with them. Work with them. However, those people who act unjustly from amongst Ahlul Kitab, those people who are disbelievers from amongst Ahlul Kitab, you are able to dispute with them. What should you say from those who dispute? We believe in that which has been revealed to us and that which has been revealed to you. So in this part of the verse, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala teaches us how to deal with Ahlul Kitab and the way in which we should interact with them. Now having told us this, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions in verses 47 and 52 that there are different ways to be able to deal with different groups of people from amongst Ahlul Kitab. And he says that those people who are the disbelievers from amongst Ahlul Kitab, this is how you deal with them in a certain way. And then in verse number 58, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala starts to conclude the entirety of the chapter of Ankabut. What did we say was the opening of Ankabut? What did we say was the beginning few verses of Ankabut? Who can remember? Verses 1 to 7. What was it about? It was about the Mujahideen. Do you remember? Those people who say, I believe in Allah, but then Allah is going to test them with their trials. And to prove that you are Mujahid, He's going to give you certain pressures from your family, from your community, and so on and so forth. Verses 58 onwards conclude the chapter of Surah Al-Ankabut. Let's have a read of some of these verses. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, And as for those who believe and do good, we will certainly give them abode in high places, in gardens beneath, beneath which rivers flow, abiding therein. How good is the reward of the workers? Look at this verse. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in uh, this verse, at the end of the verse, the amil is the one who is the worker. He works hard. It's a synonym to mujahid. The amil who works hard is like the mujahid who works hard. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, how good a reward will I give to the mujahid? How good a reward will I give to the amil, the one who actually works hard? What are the qualities of those people who work hard? That are mujahideen in the way of Allah. They are patient and they rely upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now here, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala concludes this with verse number 69. Read the last verse of Surah Al-Ankabut, 
verse number 69, and you will see that the verse speaks about jihad and the mujahid. So it starts with the mujahid and it concludes with the mujahid. Verse number 69. jahadu subuluna. As for those who strive hard for us, we will certainly guide them to our ways. So now you had all these different groups, all these different pressures. The pressures come from where? Family to do evil, friends to do evil, society to do evil. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, if you strive hard in my way, you work hard, I will take responsibility for your guidance. لَنَهْدِيَنَّهُمْ سُبْلُنَا وَإِنَّ اللَّهَ لَمِعَ الْمُحْسَنِينَ And Allah surely, uh, and most, surely Allah is with the doers of good. So here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Al-Ankabut is speaking to us about an overarching theme. The overarching theme is what? The dunya that we construct for ourselves is as weak as the spider's web. We are no different to the spider inside that spider's web that thinks the world that he has constructed for himself is so strong. You're going to get many pressures in dunya. They're going to come from your family. They're going to come from your friends. Allah gives multiple examples from the stories of the ancient prophets of those individuals whose leadership, the elite, their family, their priests, their rabbis told them, don't stick with the prophets, stick with us. The outcome for all of those who stuck with their elites, with their societies, was that they ended up being destroyed. Those who were mujahideen at the time of the prophets who struggled in the way of Allah, they were all delivered. And the house that they constructed was no longer weak. The house that they took was with the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Therefore, Surah Ankabut gives you this choice. And at the end of it, Allah says, subulana. If you take the choice with Allah, Allah will guide you to His way such that He ensures your deliverance. At the end of it, Allah guarantees that if you are mujahid, you will be delivered in the way of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is the theme of Surah Ankabut. Chapter number 29 of the Quran. Walhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen. Wa sallallahumma ala Sayyidina wa Nabiyina Muhammad wa alihi al-Tahirin. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Inna anzalnahu fi laylatil qadr. وما أدراك ما ليلة القدر ليلة القدر خير من ألف شهر تنزل الملائكة والروح فيها بإذن ربهم من كل أمر سلام هي حتى مطلع الفجر